Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. My guest today, man, is so cool. A longtime bud I met through a former guest of ours, Gary G.B. Valentine. He's an actor-comedian from Philadelphia. He's played roles in such blockbuster hits as The Italian Job, among others. He's an accomplished magician and one of the best stand-up comedians you will ever see. Please welcome Jimmy Schubert. Hey Jimmy, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm I'm doing great, and that's uh, very nice of you to say. Yeah, I just been it's so funny. I just uh, I got a new special that I just completed. And I'm working on, and it's so funny. You, you know, you do that golf outing down there, and and, and the Delta, the Delta Soul, which is uh, you know I've been down there a couple times. And, yeah, uh, played there. I think last time I played, I actually won with a couple of guys. But uh, no, no, you couldn't be. You yeah, couldn't. You're not supposed. Yeah, to, I'm supposed to win it at all times. You know that. I know, but no, I, we we got we got lucky one year. We I, and I won it, so, but I got to get back down there and, uh, and and play that this year. But uh, yeah, everything's everything's good. I got I got a new special coming out. I got a movie coming out called Tales from the Crib. You know, I'm 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 trying to uh, you know stay relevant in this crazy game of comedy. You know, you keep writing new jokes all the time. I know, well, you're <laughs> you're one of the ones that reminds me that does that because when I'm around you, and I've been around you enough. Your mind's always churning. You, you remind me of a lot, myself in a lot of ways, and my songwriter buddies. That's the only way that I can relate to it. That when something is said or heard, you sort of I see I see where you go. You go off into space a little bit because you're thinking, well, you know, great jokes and great and great songs come from real things and real 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 events that happened, and and that's how I th- I feel like how people relate to us is because it's something that maybe they've gone through or experienced in or seen, and now it's coming back to them in another way, and it's a reminder of a memory. Yeah, once you once you hear something, I'm, and, I, and I got a pretty good ear for that, like, I go, oh, that's funny, or that's a great idea. Or that, I mean, my mind just starts memorizing it and working on it. And like, like you said, sometimes you go into, <laughs> into space. I'm just trying to remember something or, or figure it out. But yeah, <laughs> but, you know, because I know it'll play in front of an audience, you know. Right. And it's really tough. I mean, it's really tough to like, you know. I mean, you got five thousand comedians that they're all talking about the same stuff. So you really have to work to come up with some like, like unique perspective or, you know, on 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 different things. And like, you know, some guys. I mean, a lot of people talk about checking out of the grocery store, but how how are you approaching it that makes it uniquely yours? You know, a lot of comedians I've seen, you go see their show again, and they're doing the same thing. 
and it's funny yeah. and it's still good it's like because it's, it's different for a musician who has to play the hits who have to come right. in and do that show it's i think it's a different deal or maybe i'm wrong but at what point do you feel like when you come back to a venue and back to a venue do you need to you know just change it up mix it up a little bit well no it's, it's funny because nowadays we live in this like instant gratification society where like people go you know they just thought it's hilarious but like if they say it like people go, oh i've always saw them do that I mean, they want, like, new stuff. I mean, it's like guys are doing a new hour every year. And it's funny because it never used to be like that. It used to be like, you know, you could have an hour, you tour with the hour for, like, two years or three years, and then you go back and do a new uh, do a new hour. Right. You know, but they, like almost every year now people want you to be doing new stuff or working on new stuff. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps us older guys on our toes, and I love it because I'm with Jimmy Schubert, one of the greatest comedians I've ever met in my life. I'm telling you guys, you guys to check him out. You got to go online. You got to stop your cars right now, wherever you are. If you're working, put it away because this will make you happy. I mean, I, I, I feel that, that way about you, Shuby. Uh, you, you blow oh, my I mind. I appreciate that, man. Well, that kind of word, indeed. Well, I do work my butt off. But, uh, yeah, you got to always, uh, you know, I'm always – you know, you're always going to try to find that one thing, and it, and it takes me a while to craft a bit because I work in like a comedic short story form. So I usually like I try to squeeze every bit out of it. So you're sitting there working on a bit, and eventually it turns into like a seven or eight or ten minute bit. Like you know, I used to do a bit about going through the airport TSA security. It's like a ten minute bit. You know, right. Well, like we got we got there. we've got an hour. So Mississippi minute, you know, that takes sixty. Of them. We like we like to, as we as the song says, take our sweet time. So we uh, we have all the time in the world to hear all the bits you got because uh, you yeah. Know. Well, it's so funny because it started and it would start because I get aggravated. And he was standing there in a security line, and and he go, you know, I was just going, how come it's not easier to go through security? Because I didn't, you know. And then it was then I was like, you know, what does the TSA stand for? Take shampoo away. And, you know, they're all federal government employees. I go, that should make you feel about as safe as a durable in the front window of a San Francisco pet shop. And I would come up with all these lines and then it built about, you know, they're pulling me and this 70-year-old lady out of line. I go, oh, great. You know, two guys with beers going, I heart Al-Qaeda are skipping down the jetway. And me and Mrs. Doubtfire kind of spread eagle against the wall. You know, the guy's rubbing his magnetic wand in our crotch areas. I was just I just came up with this idea and this bit and it when it when it happens, you know, it's pretty organic. You know, you, you probably know that same way when you write music. Right. When you come up with these ideas and they just all these thoughts come together and form a bit and you start doing it from an audience and it gets a great reaction. Well that's just gold. I mean that's what you live for, you know. No, so I know. You, you know, and and I'm real kind of like phraseologist. I try to put like, you know, I don't know how it is in music, but you got to, like, you know, like you guys turn a phrase in music. In, in, in comedy, you really kind of have to put together, you know, you almost got to put, like, put a, a paragraph in one sentence. It's got to be, like, really descriptive and really, you know, there's one way to say where, where it's the funniest way, way possible. You got to say it the funniest Right, you know? right. Well, you know, the, I love that. I mean, I was 11 and 12 when I got hooked on songwriting. Where was it and when was it that you got, that you knew you wanted to do this? Well, you know, it's funny because I'm about the, about the same age, but I was too young to go to clubs. So, uh, you know, and that's where the magic comes in is that I, I, I was, uh, I said, well, here's something I could do. And, and really being a magician is kind of like the poor man's way in the show business. You know, like if you don't have a famous uncle or a famous dad who was an actor, uh, basically, you know, you get 10 bucks, you buy a trick and you're able to entertain people. 
And so I started doing magic because I was there. I have six, the six brothers in my family. You know, the great thing about growing up in a big family is you're going to find your identity early. And so when my mom was dropped, my brother Bobby played the drums and my brother Joey played guitar. And every Monday she would drop them a guitar, drop them a drum and guitar lessons. And down the street there was a magic shop. So I would always go with my mom and she would drop them off. We had an hour to kill. And then we'd go down the street to the magic shop and I would look around and I would buy a joke book. And I would buy a new trick because I had a job. Like, I always had, like, delivering circulars, so I was able to take my money and buy one trick a week. She would let me buy one <laughs> trick a week and one joke book. So that's where I started, like, having a, I started keeping a joke file when I was a kid. I would look at these books go, oh, that's funny. That's funny. And I started developing that. But I was performing magic in front of people. And by the time I was, like, 13 or 14, I'd become, like, an accomplished magician. I was doing, like, four or five or six shows a month. Sometimes I would get paid. It's so funny, I was a member of this group called the Southampton Star Showcase, and there was this woman who ran it. She was like this 300-pound Jewish woman. She smoked these like really long, thin cigarettes, and she was like the Broadway Danny Rose of Northeast Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, and you guys ready to perform, and, you know, and it was so funny, because I was just a kid, but there was a lot of, like, older people, jugglers and stuff like that, and I was in this troupe, and we do shows that, you know, I like the Brene Breath Temple, and we do old age homes, and we do, you know, and I would do, I was doing like children's hospitals and different stuff, just entertaining people. And that's where I kind of fell in love with like performing and, and doing magic. And right about the time, like I hit 18, I kind of hung up my wand, I retired my rabbit, oh. and I just started doing, and I just started doing stand up comedy. But, I, you know, magic is something I've always loved. I, I still do it. I, Ma- you I, know, I mean, magic scare, it scares me a little bit. It's a little creepy, to be honest with you, and I love it from a distance. I don't like to get too close, so you're scared. I'm already getting scared a little bit because everybody that I've ever met, I mean, you must have been like a little wild child. I mean, you know, like everybody saw you coming. You got a little devil child going because you can do things that don't that really uh, intrigue us and that don't make a lot of sense. So I think that's my fear factor there. Well, you know, it's funny because some people do have a lot of different reactions to it. And I, I and I assure you, none of it is magic. It is eight hours of practicing moves uh, and, and stuff like that. It's you know, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, the thing I love about magic is there's a discipline and a practice that goes into it. And it's really kind of like an anti-social art form. Good guys stay in their basement and they work on these card slides and they work on these card moves for hours and hours and hours, and then they go out and perform it, and it looks like they've done something. And the thing I love about it is like it's this ancient art form that's been around forever, and it's and it's devious, yes. But is it is it magical or power of the devil? No, it's just somebody being able to fool your eye and your mind, and then create this magical moment. I, I mean, the discipline and practice that goes into magic, and because it's such an ancient art form, is that like the like I, I know that people get scared of it. Some people like like you know they freak out. Right. And, it's, and, and it just means you're doing it good. But I, I assure you, there's no power of the devil involved. There's about eight hours. There's about eight hours of your life in a basement in front of a mirror, <laughs> which is <laughs> creepy in its own way. I'm Steve Azar. You are with my buddy Jimmy Shuby Schubert. Uh, we're gonna be right back. You're in the Mississippi Minute. Stand by.
Super Talk Mississippi on your radio, your computer, and on your smart device. I just kind of stream it online. Yeah, online. Listen online every day. Listen live at supertalk.fm and download the Super Talk app to take Mississippi's best talk with you wherever you go. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. My guest today is Jimmy Schubert. Uh, one of the funniest guys I ever met. Makes a great living doing it. Acting. Uh, grew up, as he just has uh, proclaimed, doing the magic act. Uh, love it. You, when you, you know what's funny? I was fourth in line, Jimmy. You were third. You know, when you're making your way down the list, your parents sort of like, uh, I know they're paying attention, but they realize they really got to go to work because, the, you know, the mouths to feed and and you sort of sort of get left out in the uh, in the cold a little bit. And I always say that yeah. it's funny. My brothers, my sister, they all had guitar lessons and piano lessons. Well, when I came along and it didn't stick, you know, and when I came along, yeah. my parents never even offered it. And so, you know, it's so funny. I just all of a sudden they saw me wanting to play guitar and they're like, oh. You know, so uh, and I and I still tell Gwen today, you know, she'll go, you know, this this whole time, you know, you get into the 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 thing of I think that it finds you. And I don't think, you, well, we need to put it in front of them. We need to put the piano in front of them, need to put the you know, I tried to make my oldest son a, a quarterback and he's a filmmaker. I, I agree with you because I, you know, you, you know, I, I got lost in the shuffle, too. Uh, you know, you, you figure out, you know, and, and it's funny because. My brother Bobby played the drums and Joey played guitar. They got my brother Bobby played the drums and Joey played guitar. I was in the back seat of my mama's car. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. that's how was, we do it. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, and and so I was. I think you. I think as a kid, you got to let your kids find out what they want to do. Like you wanted your kid to be a quarterback, he wanted to become a filmmaker. And I think kids find that. I think all you can do is encourage them when they find something they love to do. And right. I think. I think when. I think that's the best thing you do because I, I I think kids like I mean look at that quarterback that kid from the uh, Oakland Raiders that kid Todd uh, Marinovich. Marinovich remember yeah 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 I mean look what his dad did to that poor kid oh yeah had his first I mean, cheeseburger and went nuts yeah I mean exactly because he ran him he ran him and tried to make him and 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 you're exactly you can't I don't think you can raise kids like that I think you got to let them find out like you said you wanted guitar lessons you didn't get them but you learned how to play on your own. And it stuck with you, and you just fell in love with it, and that was that. We're talking to Jimmy Schubert. Uh, he is in California, but he is by way of the Philadelphia. Uh, you know, he grew up in Philly. He's a Philadelphia Eagles fan. He's been celebrating football. I do want to talk about your uh, your new project right now, Jimbo. Yeah. Uh, tell me what's going on. Well, I just got you know I have a new hour special called Zero Tolerance, which is just you know kind of a zero tolerance for you know idiocy i mean you know from everything from like people that are bringing and you you're like me you fly a lot so you see yeah. these people bringing these uh therapy animals on planes <laughs> which i i just think it's ridiculous i was now. just with one uh, uh well you know lady the lady like two weeks ago got thrown off an american airlines flight she brought a pig on the plane an emotional support pig <laughs> i go really I mean, you know, I, you know, you checking in with the pig, nobody's saying anything. Going through TSA with the pig, that's fine. I go, I got to take my shoes off, but the pig's okay. You know, a lady a couple of days ago tried to get on a uh, United flight with a peacock. I'm going, okay, this is ridiculous now. So I, I go after like I go after like stupidity like that, like zero tolerance is right, like, right, you know, right. That's going to be and great. You know, 
you know, and the airlines really have themselves to blame because they started charging $75 a pop for people to fly their pets. So then everybody just went online and got these therapy um, credentials for their pets, even though they're not therapy animals. Right. Oh, and, wow. You know, and then they're charging, you know, and then they charge $35 a bag, which, by the way, was initially supposed to be to offset the high cost of fuel. But fuel is now $47 a barrel. But that, <laughs> if you notice, that $30 bag fee ain't going anywhere. Just, just, just so I can, just so I can, just so I can clarify here and, and get my back. I am, I am a United guy. I'm a global services guy. I love them. And they take such yeah. great care of me, even to the fact of when I pull up and when I get off the plane in Denver or in, in Houston or in Chicago, usually they have a Mercedes outside. I go out the door. Everybody's going, who is that guy? And I walk out the door. I'm first First on the plane, and I'm and I get off, and they t- they drive me under all of the airplanes in the Mercedes to the back door of my new my my connecting gate. So I'm 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 a fan of only them, and I'm going to celebrate yeah. them right now. But I'm going to let you continue. You know the the, the bag fees and, and the flying the animals again. So you know the the airlines now have a have a big problem because everybody's bringing everything onto the plane. No one's checking the bag because it costs money to check a bag. And now people are bringing their animals on planes because nobody wants to check a bag uh, an animal underneath the plane because they all they're all therapy animals now. So I was just saying the airlines have nobody but themselves to blame. It's going to be but like I, a zoo. I, it's going to be. You're I gonna... mean, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, you know, there's goats and chickens running up and down the, the the aisle, you know, and people are bringing like you know. I go although you know the pig thing actually does have like a little because I go well. And I'm going. What if they gave everybody a little pig as you're getting on the plane? You know, this pig sitting in first class. This little piggy sitting in premium plus. This little piggy sitting in the back of the plane. I go, what Muslim's going to hijack that aircraft? <laughs> you know, on the outside chance, you get a little pig blowing you. Goodbye, 72 virgins. Sometimes you got to fight fire with pork. That's all I'm saying. You know, but I mean, you're right. It's, <laughs> Talking to Jimmy Schubert, I'm going to have a hard time not laughing for the rest of this interview, but that's all right. It's going to make me it's going to make me three years younger and I'm going to get all my sit ups in my crunches without having to do them. Uh, and that's yeah. how I feel when I'm with you, Jimmy, all the time. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard a guy named uh, James Otto? Well, yeah, I know James very well. We were we were we were on the road together because we were on the same record label. And uh, and a buddy of mine, actually, a buddy of mine, I've written a bunch of songs. Jim Femino wrote uh, with James James's first hit, and so uh, there's right. your Philadelphia comment there. How do you know James? Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, Ty Hendrickson. Uh, you know, I just did a gig with those guys. Both were like, you know, amazing, amazing. Yeah, like, James you know, is a big uh, boy, isn't he? Big boy. Uh, yeah, big boy sings great. Got a great voice, man. I mean, it just. And, uh, I think I can take James, just FYI. It would take me all day. Take, take me all day. No, he's great. Well, he's a great guy. You know, like <laughs> you, you know, you do these gigs, you work with these cats, and you know, you're both entertainers. But he was, he was uh, really uh, a terrific singer, man. Uh, and you know, we were doing this thing. We were doing Tim Wakefield, who was that knuckleball pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Was, I just met Tim at the BMW last year. Well, yeah. Well, he has a bet. He used to do a golf outing, but now he does. You know, he runs a uh, raises money for the school and. Uh, down in Melbourne, Florida, where he lives for, you know, autistic kids and stuff like that. So, but he had just put this great uh, benefit on. Uh, so, and, so, uh, so you know his story, right? He, I, know, I love it because he told us last year, it's the first time I met, he's, he's, he's not a pitcher. He's, he's drafted. He's having a horrible year. Um, he's going nowhere. He knows he's going to be cut. And, at, and he's trying to figure out his future. And he said one day during practice and during that year, he was goofing off throwing this knuckleball. 
And one of the coaches, I think his head coach, said, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm just goofing off. So when they came to the, to the decisions, they, they said he's cut. And the coach goes with the, with the organization, I guess, you know, the AAA, AAA, the majors, everybody's getting together from, you know, from their, you know, from their designated team. And, uh, and he goes, you know what? I saw him one day goofing off, throwing this knuckleball. And they go, well, he's not a pitcher. And he goes, they go, yeah, but can I just, I want to just have a feeling. Let me just go suss it out. And I'll be dog. The rest is history. I mean, what's the chances? Well, I mean, it's amazing because I know he started with the Pirates. He was with the Pirates for two years. And then he went to the Red Sox. Right. He was with the Red Sox for 17 years. I mean, that's crazy. 17 years. And those, and those, I mean, that's unheard of, dude. And that's, and, 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 you know, I guess knuckleball pitchers stick around longer than some of the other pitchers because it's such a hard pitch to throw. But wow. Yeah, it's a great story. Well, I was a catcher growing up in, in my own little world, and I was a catcher, and and I, I handled, I got, to, was fortunate enough to catch the the guys that threw the hardest, the the then the guys that threw the most junk, but I never had to catch a knuckleball. And the only thing I can relate it to is when Craig Hendrick was punting for the Titans, we used to go out and try to catch his. He could punt a knuckleball, and wow. and the thing would come down. He broke glasses on people he broke the 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 main the the orthopedic surgeon's fingers i mean you should see this thing coming because it's moving it changes velocity it changes side to side and you never know what it's going to do until it's right upon you because it's still doing it whatever it's doing so to wow, you know, that's that so amazing <laughs> amazing amazing we're with jimmy schubert we're, we've gotten off offline a little bit which is typical and uh, he is in California, but but born and raised in Philly. Uh, Jimmy, being Mississippi, being here, you know, and being among yeah. all this great music, we are the birthplace of American music. So I'm gonna let you lead us into the break. Do you want to hear Otis Rush, who's from our Philadelphia, Mississippi, our slide guitar legend, Sonny Landreth? Let's hear Otis Rush from uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi. All right, there you <laughs> go. We're Jimmy Schubert. You're in a Mississippi minute. I'm Steve Azar. We'll be right. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live and listen to all my music, Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men, wherever you download or stream. The Super Talk app. Pop it in. Pop it in. And turn it on. Listen to your favorite shows anytime you darn well please. The Super Talk app. It's free. Download the Super Talk app now. 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 In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When you're young, you think you know it all. Everybody, I'm Steve Azar. We're with the fabulous Jimmy Schubert. You can catch him. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, tell me real quick. Uh, you're in a Mississippi Minute, by the way. I'm making sure we all uh, all remember that there's 60 of them, and uh, and we're going to take our sweet time. Jimbo, where where are you going to be uh, coming up? Uh, shows you got? Uh, theaters? Anything going on? To the fourth, 
Um, I'm in uh, St. Louis, Missouri at the Funny Bone in Westport. Uh, March 21st, I'm at the Park Casino in Philadelphia. Um, I got, uh, I'm going to be in Boston on the 23rd and the 24th up there at my place, uh, my buddy's place called Giggles here. Most people can go to my social media uh, on Twitter. It's at Jimmy Schubert. Instagram at Jimmy Schubert. Uh, Facebook is my, my Jimmy Schubert fan page. I, I always have my dates listed. Or you can go to my website, jimmyschubert.com. has all my dates listed. I love it. Yeah. Well, I just, just for the listeners to understand, I know I've said this, but I, you gotta you got to trust me on this. I feel like Jimmy Schubert is, if not the funniest stand-up guy I've ever seen. Uh, I've been around people, you know, Jackie Flynn's so great. I, you know, I got to have Jackie on the show. He's so amazing. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy has an energy about him. You know, of course, my, our boy GV, Gary Valentine, incredible. Uh, uh, they're all, you, you guys are all so different, and that's what I love. Y'all all take on this role of who you are. Uh, when GV gets on stage, it's the thing that nobody else has, and it's so, yeah, so you know, with Jackie. I mean, I, with you, it's so different. I mean, there's it. Sound, it looks like oh my gosh, you kind of walk on, and then it becomes intense. And uh, so, explain that. You know, I mean, like you're. I mean, what happens to you live? Because I know it seems to be you're not putting on Jimmy. It seems to be who you are. Yeah. Well, you know, I you know, I just I'm very passionate about making people laugh. So lots of times I get you know I, I get get very passionate. And sometimes people mistake that for anger, and I'm not angry. I'm just excited about what I'm talking about. And I, I like to make people laugh. I mean, it's my passion. I, I mean, but that's the thing that I, that, and, and I like to do it on a level that, like, you know, like I like to hurt people with laughter. I like to laugh them so hard. Like, like I always go, like, I'm like the Steven Seagal of comedy. Like, I <laughs> hurt you with some jokes. But, I, but, you know, that's all about the writing and the performing. And I just like to, you know, and, I, and the funny thing is, I, when I was a young kid, I used to tour with the late Sam Kinison, and I was one of his opening acts. And you're going out there, and I, I mean, I've been doing comedy since I was about like 19, 20, so I'm just getting the hang of it. I got about 20 good minutes, and you walk out in front of these arenas with 5,000 people, and I'm sitting there going, how do you make 5,000 people intimate? So you have to right. act out every joke, you have to be bigger than life, you have to turn this giant auditorium into like a comedy club, which so... So I really got used to like performing everything and being a little bit bigger than life. And sometimes, you know, now when you go to a comedy club, you can like overpower a room. So sometimes I have to dial it back. But I like to put energy. Well, you know, Steve, is, is like, you know, you, I was like, I grew up watching a guy like Springsteen. Then you right. watch Springsteen well, we all do three and a half hours of rock, rock anthems. Right. And you go, the guy puts everything into every performance. And you go, wow. And I would, or... You can go watch the Jim Blossoms do their one hit at that, you know, like, and you go, and I was watching it, like, I saw the Jim Blossoms, and the guy was singing, he had his hands in his pockets, I go, wow. So I just, I just like to put everything out there on stage, and so, yeah, so I, I, I do kind of attack the stage and put everything I have into, you know, my performance. I want to do well. I want the audience to have a good time, and I, and I want to leave it all out there. So that's how I, that's we're, how I go about it. You know? We're talking to Jimmy Schubert, uh, actor, comedian, and he does put it all out there. You guys have got to go check him out online. You got to go check him out when he's in your area. It will be, it will make you, it will make you feel youthful if you're not youthful. It will take years off your life because you're going to feel so good when you leave. And I, I got to take people back to a couple things, Jimmy. So. When we we did the we did uh, Kevin James and uh, Ray Romano, I guess maybe Adam Sandler's event in California, a golf event one day, and they had right. at the end of it they had a joke off, 
And they were given a trip for the whole weekend, all expenses paid to one of the casinos, the suites, the planes, all the stuff. And yeah. but but regular patrons got to uh, got to participate in the joke off as well. And then you yeah. had all the judges and everything. Well, I was watching you, and I was going. Uh, I noticed that you hadn't signed up yet, and so people were getting up and doing it. And you know, Adam Sandler got up, Ray got up, everybody got up, regular people got up. And and I remember looking at GB, and I said, Gary, why hasn't Jimmy gotten up there? And he goes. Well, if it happens, it's over. And so all of a sudden, you would you were kind of giving them a little bit of a laugh when people would people would tell joke. I I just look at you going <laughs> like that's all right, that's all right. And then all of a sudden, as it went on, I saw you walk over and sign. And you don't know this, but I know this. I saw Adam Sandler look at Kevin James and go, "Dang!" Like he's signing up. And like, then you get up and you do the joke. Yeah, I guess it was it was less than a minute. The place falls out, and all they do is make you champion. That's amazing to me. <laughs> you know, I was just I was just waiting to see what like who was going to go up and tell a joke, and everybody was telling a joke. And yeah, and the other thing is the street jokes. You want to make sure when nobody. I had this joke in my back pocket that I was saving, <laughs> and I was just waiting for for the trip to, to Vegas. Sure nobody, <laughs> yeah, it was a trip to Vegas to go see Love. You had a you had a. You get they gave you a room for the night and you got to go to Vegas and go see the the Beatles show Love Up there. Did you do that? Did you did you get to do yeah, it? Yeah, I loved it. It was amazing. It was the, at the Mirage, you know, where where Kevin, I guess, uh, played uh, when Kevin does stand up and stuff. Right. You know, right. So, well, when the so, funniest people in the world, or, or or the most you know people that are so successful, having big TV shows, you know, monumental, when they look at you as that good. I mean, we have it in our industry where we've always known songwriters were that good, you know, and when they got up and performed, you know, and I'm going like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, so I, I get that in our world. So let's talk about being on the last comic standing. I love it that you went deep into the run, but I, yeah. so, so like when in The Voice or Now American Idol, whatever, all these shows, you know, they're, they're not producing anymore the stars they're tv shows and so and i've seen some of the contracts man they're brutal so it's almost like you yeah. want to get toward the end and then you want to sort of just tank <laughs> so yeah, so you well, won't you know that, you'll that, take that, advantage of the the massive audience so so you 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 went yeah. pretty far into that thing yeah i, I made it into the finals and then i, I kind of I, I ditched out because you made the top five then you had to go on a 50 city tour and 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 they they weren't going to pay you i mean they got these guys on a tour bus they took them around the 50 cities. They weren't even staying in hotels. They were staying on the tour bus, yeah. which is crazy. Welcome to my you world. Know, yeah. I look at some of these guys, and some of these guys aren't, aren't any better or further along. I've done movies. I've done right. TV. I've had development deals. Everything they were offering, I've already done. Right. And the fact of the matter is that even if you win, like the Rod Van, the guy who won, I mean, they gave him a development deal and stuff, but he, he didn't get a TV show. He didn't get any of that stuff. It's like, right. it's, it's so funny. So... I just kind of want to use it for the for the uh, like you said as to get the exposure to that mass audience and then ditch out. And what was funny is because I grabbed uh, one of the other comedians, this girl named Zainab Johnson. It was a six foot tall. She was a bald uh, black woman who was also a Muslim, and she had her. She was really funny. I thought she was a stand up in the show, and I thought she should have gone in further into the show. And so me and her, I took her out. On a tour, so we did our own like mini. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mini well, last comic standing thing because I because I, I put that stuff together 
and she said she wound up getting signed by my agency. And you know, and she, I see you're know, doing so. you're doing more for you, more for her. You've done more for her than the, the a lot of the shows are doing. The bottom line is that music is oversaturated now. I mean, you know, you had Kelly Clarkson, you had Daltrey, and you had and Daltrey didn't win, but but he sure turned it into something great. You had Jordan Sparks, yeah, you, don't have you had to Karen win Underwood. To win. Yeah, right. They're yeah. kick and tell. But think about all of you know our good friend Javier Colon, who won The Voice the first year. I mean, yeah. he did, he toured toured with. Uh, with uh, the guys from Maroon Five and 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 all those guys and Adam and all that, but the bottom line is, you know, it sort of ran its course, and the record label worked his record for like two weeks, and that was it. And so uh, the deal just wasn't a great deal. The who's right. really winning is Adam and Blake. I remember Blake and I were in the same place doing a back in the day. You'd go, you still do it. You're you're trying your your songs racing up the charts, and you go into a. a uh, a place where you do a bunch of radio interviews and it juices up your spins for the week and it keeps you moving forward. Well, Blake and I were there together and he told me, uh, I said, what's been going on, Blake? And he goes, I'm going to be the uh, uh, host on one of the shows called The Voice. I said, well, what is that? And he goes, well, I'm sort of mentor people. And he go, I go, how's that going to work for you? He said, sheer personality. And I went, man, that is going to work for you. And it has. Yeah. And it's perfect. But well, he. He must have paid his publicist for, for Blake Shelton to become the sexiest man alive on people. Now that that I love it, I love it when I see it because I've seen Blake in some situations. But Blake's a good dude, man. Like I love Blake Shelton. And Me too. I, I wasn't even a fan of his until I started watching the show. Yeah. And then I go back and start listening to his music and go, "Wow, man, this guy's awesome!" And in him, him and Adam. Are the guys that make that show? Well, yeah, and they're the, like, they're book in, they're bookends, and everything else keeps changing in between them. But those guys, as long as they're doing it, I mean, they're fantastic. They're yin and yang, man. It's just perfect. Well, why would they? Why would they not? I mean, every week they get exposed to millions and millions of yeah. fans. Yeah, like you know, people don't realize, like as an artist, all you need is that break or that exposure to the that mass market, and you're going to find the fan base. The right. fan base will find you, and and, and you're right nowadays. Like, you know, you know, back in the day, you used to do Carson, and, and then you become, like, you know, a name and stuff like that. You're talking like Seinfeld and, and guys like Drew Carey. Or if they would do Carson, the, the, fu- the funny thing is, that is all missing from late-night television now. Right. I mean, a lot of these late-night shows have become like People Magazine, where they bring in established acts, and they it's kind of like they sit around and, and backslap each other, and, hey, we love you, and, you know, but... I mean, you, you know, these, these reality shows have provided an outlet now for discovering the new talent. And there's a lot of people that are that are like amazing singers that they get these breaks and go, wow, how can I, heard, I haven't heard about this person before? Right, right. And you're right. You don't have to win the show to win the show. I think if you get exposure and I think if you have and you bring your artistry and you put out a great album, I mean, you're going to find a fan base. I love it. We're with Jimmy Schubert, one of the greatest comics on the planet. And uh, we'll be right back. Stand by. What is your name? What is it? Super Talk Mississippi, number one in the Magnolia State for news, weather, sports, and talk that matters to you. Don't you forget it. Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and supertalk.fm. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. All of it, right toward the back half of it. And I'm with Jimmy Schubert. Uh, Shuby, here's what I want to ask you. We call him Shuby. You guys out there uh, can call him Shuby as well. Uh, once you get to know him, you'll, you'll you know, he's, he's your brother. Uh, so let me ask you this, because this is interesting to me. I was reading something the other day about Duke Ellington's. Uh, when he performed Black, Brown, and Beige, 
uh, I think it was back in the early 40s. You know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I've got Flipboard and I just, uh, you know, I go into different things that inter- that interest me. And this was something I saw. Uh, it was uh, segregation was at its height, even in, in a city like New York. OK, uh, people would come in like Eleanor Roosevelt and Frank Sinatra and they hung out with like uh, Count Basie and and other black celebrities. Right. Were you know, so Duke Ellington's ambitious jazz suite, I think it said, uh, was like a genre changing theme but what it did was it united color and it and and as art often does art doesn't know color art just knows people and emotions and that's what i love about being an artist so was there a comic was there a comic that you know that sort of you know i know when i think of richard pryor i think of uh eddie murphy you know in my time you know in your time but was there comedians of color that came along and changed it yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll bring up this guy's name who's been, uh, you know, they, they've kind of drug him up. But Bill Cosby was the first African-American to be on a, a sitcom, be a regular on a TV show. Right. Uh, it was I Spy. And he was the first African-American cast on the TV show. I mean, Bill Cosby was like royalty, American royalty. I mean, that guy, you know, I mean, obviously he's he's done some things lately or was yeah, doing some yeah, things. Right? People right love now. Bill Cosby. Yeah, right. I mean, but, you know, Richard Pryor, for, for certain. I mean, Richard, you know, you know because like you said, like music, uh, or, or, or you know, like like sometimes out here in LA they do like a refried Fridays, or which is like all Mexican comedians, or they do you know refried. Refried. They do you know they do an Asian themed comedy night. I think it's great because a lot of guys, you know, sometimes it's tough to get spots. I, you know, I've always been a guy who's like you know diversity about the arts. You know, but I think lots of times when they do those shows, they limit themselves to a specific audience. And I think the, yard, the only yardstick you have to measure a comedian or any artist is, is like, you know, it's like whether they're funny or whether their music, if their music's good. I think, I think talent, like you said, knows no color. You know, it's so funny because in, in, in show business, they got this big diversity push, which is great and it's fantastic. But it's like, you know, I mean, my agent told me, they go, I don't want to see white guys anymore. And I was going, wait a second. Well, why, 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 why is that? I mean, you know, it's. I mean, they were the ones who, who didn't really give the opportunities to African Americans or these other folks, and now they want to go the other direction. And I go, you know, it's just, it's just weird. They, they kind of overcorrect, or whatever the deal is. And so I think right. that the, I love that they do. The, the society tends to overcorrect, and a lot of times the people, uh, the minority, can scream loud enough, and 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 it just sort of it sort of works out. Um, like speaking of everything that's going on in Hollywood, I mean you're there. Um, I mean you you probably can't go to to a lunch or dinner uh, or anywhere without just who's next. You know the whole Me Too, the you know the everything that's going on. You think about Bill Cosby in the fall, and you think about you know Richard Pryor just reading something about him and Marlon Brando, and I mean it's just all like uh, I guess Quincy Jones coming out and and win a book and and just telling all and. I mean, it's just like a free. I mean, is it? Do they lose their minds, or they they feel like they're invincible, or do you? Well, know, well, no. Well, it's like you know. I mean, if you look at the news today, I mean, Caitlyn Jenner just came out and said she's been sexually harassed by Bruce Jenner for years. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking around. But it, it, that, you know, the thing is, it's like you know, I think it's a, it's high time that this happened because you know, it's like it must be nice to be like an 18 year old actress in Hollywood now and not have to worry about some lecherous creep putting you on the casting no, couch. No, absolutely. You know, well, absolutely. I just want to make 
make my dreams come true. And you know, and it's not just men that do this. I love to have that like the like group like you know they like a group of all, all the men in the same category. No, because I've never treated people like that. No, and it was just the way I exactly. was raised. And it's so funny if you don't know how to interact with the opposite gender when you're about six, seven, or eight years old, because my mother taught me how to do that. Right. You're certainly not going to have to do it when you're 45. Well, you've got sisters or br- and your mom, and I mean, how would you treat an, any anyone? How would you want them treated? It's simple. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always been like that. I'm just glad it's kind of... Uh, kind of well, Jimmy what they're doing now is they're weeding out a lot of these people that you that you, that that there was always an ulterior motive uh, and you always had to do something uh, unethical or, or crazy and sickening to be able to survive being in the business I think it's a good thing they're cleaning it up and they're gonna make room for people like you and my son Strack who always worried about dealing with people that are basically have zero uh, morals and zero ethics. Yeah, well, and, that's the and that's thing good. About Hollywood, they don't they don't have any moral compass, but they do like to take the high ground, like they do. Right. And the thing is, is a lot of the people knew about Harvey Weinstein. They enabled Harvey Weinstein, and he was friends with he was friends with Hillary Clinton, and he was friends with uh, yeah, yeah, this Oprah is... Winfrey. And so, you know, this guy had cover. Now, I'm sure he wasn't that guy in front of them. He maybe was a different guy. Right. But certainly what he did was criminal. It bordered on rape. And what Bill Cosby did yeah. is, is, yeah. is, is criminal. And I think finally it's like, you know, they, they, they've got to come up with a code of behavior. But I've never treated people like that. Right. I don't know how tough this business is. The business to get into is already tough. Yeah. Tough well, I'd rather not be in the well. business. I'd rather not be. I'd rather not be in anywhere. I'd rather not exist or coexist if that if it means being that way. We're with Jimmy Schubert. It's been a privilege and honor and uh, always bizarre in a certain way that I love that gets me excited. Talking to my man, Jimmy Schubert. Check him out at Jimmy Schubert just about everywhere. Check him out online. Uh, you guys got to trust me. It's amazing. Jimmy, I really appreciate it. You've been in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, Steve. Thank you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. I love you, baby. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.